Basho Olympics Chief of Sport and Competition, Lou, stops by the podcast to continue Season 2 of our Special Olympics USA podcast series in celebration of the 300 days to Kazan World Games. Episode 420 of the Special Chronicles show starts right now on SpecialChronicles.com. This is Special Chronicles, giving respect and a voice to people with special needs. Podcasting since 2008. This is the show where we're broadcasting disability stories from an insider's perspective, and we are giving a voice to people with special needs. This is your weekly guide to find and joy, acceptance, and inclusion. I shudder thinking how the world can be so Welcome back to the Special Chronicles show. My name is Daniel, founder of Special Chronicles and a Southern Strivo International Global Messenger with Special Olympics. So excited to be back behind the microphone for our weekly program where we are giving respect and voice to those of us with, with special needs and and uh, uh, and and showing the stories of Showing the story, the stories of our accomplishments and, and the abilities of those of us with intellectual disabilities. So excited um, for those of you guys uh, unfamiliar. Our special Olympics USA podcast series. Um, we did this leading up to the Abu Dhabi World Games, and now we um, had um, the previous episode of this series. We we did last fall with one of our global ambassadors, Apollo Ono, um, and 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 we'll be um, the end of twenty twenty one. Leading into the Kazan World Games, we'll be bringing you more episodes of this series. But as we, it's a perfect time to, uh, as we celebrate the 300 days to the Kazan World Games, uh, to um, bring on and welcome to the Special Chronicles uh, show. I'll, I'll let you know as soon as we, we bring him on to the show, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, how how I first met him in person, unlike what we're doing now virtually. Um, but uh, it's it's a pretty um, pretty awesome story there. Um, but Special Olympics Chief of Sport and Competition Lou, uh, it, um, I I should have put I should have put out his bio, uh, and I <laughs> I should have put his bio in the show notes <laughs> like I did with Tim, but. <laughs> I completely forgot about that, and my producer didn't remind me to put that in there. But anyways, uh, Lou is the chief of uh, sport and uh, competition. Welcome to the Special Chronicles show, Lou. Hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be on. So, uh, yeah, fantastic. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Yep. Yeah, it's awesome to uh, to, to have you on and 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 then just to let our listeners in on um, that we first uh, got connected at when we were at the Abu Dhabi World Games. I believe two. two I can't believe it was two years ago at when we we were at the Berlin reception, which. Yep. I don't know if, it, and it, that was where you met um, my SSI GM colleague Ian and I, where we walked up to you, you and another of your colleagues were at the waterfront. 
Yeah, so that was that was fantastic. I, I tell you, I'm a shy guy by nature, and you guys were fantastic. Like you guys were like 50 feet away. Paul standing off by the water, and you guys just came up, and it was like, "Hi, I'm Ian. I'm Dan. We're Sergeant Striver, International Global Messengers." Blah blah, and we just started talking, and I thought that was so cool. I would have never had the courage to do that. I'm like the second guy. Like if somebody starts a conversation, I'm in, but I'm never the first guy. I'm super super shy. So I just that was very very memorable for me that you guys walked all the way across a grass field. There was nobody there, and you walked up to the two of us and just. Uh, we just hit it off. So yeah, That's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and, um, it's, this is mostly about your story, but I'll briefly share. You, you said that you're pretty shy and long before I've, and I, I've been, uh, participating as, as an athlete and, and now as, as a, a Southern Survival International Global Messenger, um, for quite a while now for a lot of years, but long before I participated in Special Olympics, I like, growing up in my early years in, in school, and I, I say before um, when I had a lot more hair back back then, I I also was shy, and so it's amazing the and I, it probably goes to the just how Special Olympics has transformed like so many athletes like like myself and the over six million athletes we have across the globe. It like so many of us like going from somebody who was shy, somebody who really, as I say, communication is my biggest struggle, but it's also my biggest passion. Really taking some you know, a big struggle and, and really, and, and so yeah, so I, I can relate a little bit to your story back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, and. Being be, be, before we let you in, 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 introduce yourself to our listeners, I want to kind of briefly comment on, on that scene. That I, I don't know about you, but I still remember that scene of, of Ian and me walking up to you and and and, and by the waterfront. I, uh, I don't know if, if that was the Persian Gulf or exactly what waterfront it was. Yeah, I can't recall the body of water, yeah. but I, I got to say the other thing too. It's always helpful to have somebody like Ian. Seems like a super outgoing guy yeah. too, so. You guys had a lot of confidence. We did. Ian's great. He's not shy. So to have somebody with you, I've always liked that. Like then I'm I'm probably going to be less shy if I've got somebody with me. And, yeah. And you're like okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no total respect for. Uh, thank for thank you. Introducing yourselves. And it was yeah. Great to yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And at, at the time when we met, when we first met, I don't like none of us knew that COVID would be. Um, that in this global pandemic would be coming a year after we were all together in, in Abu Dhabi. And the fact that, so our tone, our SSIGM tone was supposed to end at the end of 2022. And so it was, a, I'm not, like at the time, there was, it was either beach volleyball or Ian and I, and along with our mentors, we went to the Berlin reception. And I think at the time, I don't know about Ian or or either of our mentors or even Emily. I don't know if if we realized, like, at least, and, and I'm saying this now, and I don't know if, if I should say this, but I don't, I, I, I feel like, like I, I was wondering, like, if our tome is ending and we are not going to be the SSI GMs in Berlin, why were we invited to attend this reception? But 
maybe it was a little kind of foreseen into the future because since our term got extended by one year to the end of 2023, it turns out You'll be there. that we're going to be there. <laughs> those will be great games. Berlin's yeah, be those, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Berlin's going to be great games. And, and now as I guess one of the reasons why we're having you on now to celebrate the 300 days until the Kazan World Games, which I think the, the, the Fisher Day I think was a, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I guess, we're still celebrating 300 days to exactly. oh, it's coming soon. Now less than 300 days. Yeah, yeah, it's coming very soon. So first, and <laughs> you, let's have you kind of, I guess, officially now eight minutes into the episode, officially introduce, introduce yourself. Since since I don't have your bio in front sure. of me, um, um, but I did along with Chris, my mentor, we did. Um, and he, he knows you as well, and so he really helped me to put together the show notes for today. So why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So um, I, I've been in international sports since 1995. Um, got my start working on the Atlanta Olympics, 95 um, and 96, in competition management. So I was out at the Aquatic Center, um, you know, running the elements of the competition for, for uh, the aquatic sports. Then I had an opportunity to move to Sydney, Australia. I moved to Sydney, Australia for three years, worked for the organizing committee there, started in sport management, and then moved over to venue management with a focus on the Paralympics. So that was sort of, uh, I guess, my first official sort of foray into the, the Paralympic movement a little bit. And then um, wound up at the Olympic Stadium the last year. So fantastic. Three years in Australia. It was great. Then I had the opportunity to move to Salt Lake. So I came back to the United States. We were having the Winter Olympics and the Winter Paralympics. And my role in Salt Lake was specifically on the Paralympics and um, making sure all the venues were, were ready and all the communications and all the functional areas had done their planning for the Paralympic Games. And then I had a chance to go to Germany, to Bonn, uh, to go work for the International Paralympic Committee. So I worked for the IPC for about three years from the end of 2002 and it was early days at the Paralympics. The IPC was about 12 staff. We're really small. Not a lot of people knew about the Paralympics. It's funny, actually, because when I was home, all of my friends in the States thought I was working with Special Olympics. And now that I'm with <laughs> when I travel, a lot of my friends think I'm back with the Paralympics. So there's still you know a little bit of confusion and both great movements and both do great things. So I was at the IPC for about three years and then I had a chance to go work at the International Olympic Committee. So I went to the IOC and then I moved over to marketing. So again, picked up sport experience and venue management experience. And then I was going to manage a couple of global partnerships for the IOC. So I was at the IOC about three years. And then I left and joined a small boutique consultancy, uh, Helios Partners. Our headquarters were here in Atlanta. I live in Atlanta. And we were doing a lot of bid work. So that organi- that company did Sochi Winter Olympic bid. In fact, I worked in Kazan previously. I worked on the Kazan University Games bid and then worked for the organizing committee in Kazan. So I spent a lot of time in Kazan. We worked on the Russia World Cup bid, the PM Chang Winter Olympic bid. And then with a bunch of sport federations, we helped golf become an Olympic sport and a bunch of sponsors like Dow and, and others. So spent about seven, seven or eight years doing that. And then um, I was in Rio um, in 2016. And Dennis Doolin, who you'd know, yeah, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. Yep to have a cup of coffee with Mary, 
because Mary was going to be down there. This was during the Paralympics. So Mary was going to be down there for the Paralympics. And uh, we met and had a cup of coffee. Then we went to the opening ceremony together and sat and chatted. And um, she called me a couple months later. And and, I was at that time, I came up to to help uh, on the competition side. And then after Abu Dhabi, we merged the sport and competition department. So it's been about four and a half years. It's funny because some of the people that I work with, I work with Osa Torheim and, and John Paul St. Germain and Venetia Bowler and I go back to Atlanta together. We were teammates in the sport department in Atlanta. And everybody else from Special Olympics used to come to the Paralympics and participate in the observer program. So I knew a lot of the people in Special Olympics. Knew Obviously, I grew up in the States, knew a lot about Special Olympics and uh, would try and get involved and help out wherever uh, you know I had an opportunity to. I got to say, the thing that I didn't know until I came up to D.C. and interviewed, I didn't realize how much work we do in health, how much work we do in schools, great work. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that. I knew it as a sport organization and that, in that context. So that's been fascinating, learning about the global youth engagement work that we do and the health work that we do and all the great partners that we have. That's been really good. Awesome. That's, that's pretty much it um, awesome. on, the, on what I guess what I was yeah. doing. Awesome. I do. Awesome. And, and, um, and I, I'm going to try to try to stick to the one of show as best as I can, but a quick kind of follow-up question. So I know a majority of, and actually the title of this episode is managing special Olympics world games. So, and along with kind of your title with, um, chief of chief of sport and competition, I'm sure a majority of your work, as you said, deals with the sport, the sports pout of our movement, but along with some of the other, like the um, health and leadership and school program, the, the, the other three programs that we have with the, with our leadership and health and school programs, the your current job of, how 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 do those um, uh, leadership, health, and school programs fit with the fit with your role with managing the board games and the sport and, and, and competitions of all sport events? Sure. So there's there's a lot of interaction and, and a lot of good collaboration. We work really closely with uh, the organizational excellence team, which contains the athlete leadership and and all the other good stuff they do. So we're really closely aligned with them, looking to work more and more with athletes. We've engaged athletes now on the World Games evaluation process and and other opportunities for athletes to get involved. Um, So the more work we can do with Dennis and Emily and that team, the better off we're going to be. I love it. I think it's the best. So we do a lot of stuff. with. And then on the strategic plan, we had a lot of input on the strategic plan, uh, Svetlana and others on uh, program quality standards. So they've got a great team. Then with health, we do a lot of work with Alicia's team related to fitness. So we have Monica and Gwendolyn are sort of plugged into the sport department, working with Christian on the competition management part of it to replicate some of the good stuff we did in Chicago around the Unified Cup. Mm -hmm. So we work really closely with health and then with healthy athletes, obviously taking place at the games. Um, And then on the global youth engagement side, Jacqueline's just getting into place. But obviously, all the good work that they do in schools, and they're about to expand internationally as awesome. part of the Dobby legacy. So, looking to you know, on our team, we've got uh, Fiona Murray, who looks after coaching education and trying to make sure that people in the schools are, are getting educated and learning how to coach athletes. So, there's a lot of interaction and a lot of good collaboration with uh, 
with those other programmatic areas. Awesome. So now kind of moving back to uh, as, uh, as this um, and – I don't know if, if you listen to This American Life on NPL, but they kind of break out their episodes into different acts. So you kind of consider uh, this first act of your personal and special Olympics backstory to kind of kind of switch back years to this kind of main topic of this first act. Sure, sure. sure. T- tell us about your career history leading up to Special uh, Olympics. You, you touched a little bit on it already with – you work with the Paral- uh, Olympics, and I've listened to like um, this program on the B- this podcast from the BBC, this uh, disability podcast from the BBC, and um, the I think it's called um, Ouch uh, O U C H, and they they okay. cover a lot of the Paralympics and kind of feel like what we're doing at Special Chronicles with with <laughs> the podcast, we're we're covering Special Olympics yeah. in the kind of podcast radio type type format. But uh, kind of, I guess maybe expand a little bit more and, and tell us a little bit more about your career history leading up to a uh, sure. special yeah. Olympics. Happy to, Dan. So I've been fortunate. I've never been somebody who's planned out something and thought that, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. I've just been sort of very fortunate where I've had opportunities. So I wound up by no great strategic thought or anything where I'm pretty well-rounded. So I worked in competition management. I know sport pretty well. I'm, I'm what you'd say, I'm, what you'd say, I'm a generalist. So I know sport well. I know venue operations and venue management pretty well. I know a bit about marketing and, and some of that stuff, a bit about strategic planning and everything. So I've got a, a generalist background where, I, and, you know, I, I find that that's helpful, in, in, especially in this role, that it's helpful when you go to work with an organizing committee. We've got a I've got, a, I'm so fortunate, got a great team. When I first took over on the competition side, that team was fantastic. And then on the sports side and bringing it all together. So I've got people that know their stuff and that are experts. So I don't need to know everything. And once you get comfortable in the fact that you don't need to know everything, you just have good people and you just have to empower those people, you're going to do great. So I just get the obstacles out of the way, help empower them. And I know enough to be conversational in a lot of the stuff. But when it gets into a real deep conversation about, you know, um, accommodation contracts or transport or IT or finance, I know that I've got people that I can go to and, and that they're good and they that's what they know. So, um, yeah, just a, a, a very fortunate, you know, generalist. And, um, you know, as far as the movements are concerned, the Olympic movement obviously is, is done a lot of great work globally. The IOC, they put a lot of money into sport, into the development of sport. They do a lot of work with refugees and women in sports. So the IOC is a fantastic movement. The Olympic movement's contributed a lot to society. The Paralympic movement is a newer movement, not unlike Special Olympics. Yeah. The movement started after the Second World War. Um, there's a great documentary called Rising Phoenix on Netflix that gives you a bit of the history of the Paralympic movement. Definitely worth watching. So the my time at the IPC and the Paralympic movement was always going to be really sort of close to my heart and and the rise of the Paralympic movement and the Paralympic games will be in LA in 2028. And that'll be a fantastic event. Um, but really sort of the athletes and, and everything about that movement is close to my heart. And then, and then, you know, the third great sports movement in the world. So you got the Olympics, the Paralympics and special Olympics and the work that we do and, and how important this work is and uh, how people need to know more about it. You know, and, and I think the opportunity internationally world games are a great platform getting us into new markets, 
Berlin is going to be a benchmark for athlete leadership. When they built their bid, their bid, they, they had a, a national games in, um, I forget the name of the town in Germany. They had 4,000 athletes. They brought the athletes together. They asked the athletes what they wanted to see in a world games bid. So if you open the Berlin bid, there's a section that's all athlete input. And then it went much, much further than the bid. There are committees with athletes embedded into the committees with real active roles or uh, athletes employed uh, by the organizing. But the athlete leadership thing is they do it very well, and it's going to be a great legacy, um, you know, in Berlin 2023. Yeah, I, I know from some of our – we have um, Avikoto uh, SSI GM meetings, and um, I think it was one of the ones we had at the end of last year – we um we had somebody from the local organizing committee in Kazan, and they 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 told us that they really want to about what you just said about having athlete um, leadership really having a high priority, and I guess really using us all ton of us as IGMs um, to really kind of help to um, um, heighten uh, the athlete leadership role. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to, uh, us all <laughs> traveling to Kazan, Russia. Um, and now kind of moving on the last part of, of this post act of your personal and special Olympic backstory. Once again, our guest is Lou, the chief of sport and competition at Special Olympics. Why did you come to Special Olympics and given your previous year, uh, career, what did you bring from there to here? And kind of also a brief kind of add-on to, to that based on your backstory that you've already shared with us in, in kind of in answering this question of why you came to Special Olympics and given your previous um, career of what you, you bring from there to here. In addition to that, is there any lessons that you have learned from your involvement with the Paralympic, uh, from the Paralympics and the uh, Olympics that, that you that that you, that that, you, that directly benefits all of us in the Special Olympics movement? So. Yeah. Uh, uh, so those are great questions. I mean, if I. You know, the reason I was interested in the role, because like I said, there's three great sporting yeah. movements in the world and Special Olympics is one of them. I had the privilege to work it too. And being an American and understanding the history of Special Olympics, I definitely wanted to be a part of the third. So when the opportunity came up and, and you know, Mary and I got along real well, she's a great leader and she had delivered a World Games in Dublin that's, you know, a benchmark for World Games. And that's what she was asking me to do. So I knew that she would know what World Games could do for a country. So that made it easier if somebody who had a background and was responsible for the delivery of something that I was going to be tasked to do um, is, you know, as far as what I bring, I mean, I think, I think the time is so good right now for us. And I think special Olympics have been a little bit insular, you know, it's a North American sort of historically North American organization. I think that, um, you know, on the international side, there's, there's trends and there's work being done um, that, you know, maybe we weren't doing. So there was an opportunity. And I, again, it goes back to having a strong team. There was an opportunity to add some structure, add some process, establish some consistency, take things that other events are doing, be it the Commonwealth Games, the World University Games, 
the Pan American Games, the Paralympic World Championships, to take those elements that everybody else is doing. Because in the end, we are a multi-sport event. Berlin will be 7,000 athletes, 190 countries, 24 sports. Kazan will be 2,000 athletes, 100 countries, you know, seven sports. So in the end, we're a multi-sport event. And whether it's a physical disability, an intellectual disability, no disability at all, you know, there are world police and firefighter games that are a multi-sport event, and you just have to be law enforcement or a firefighter. There are uh, gay games. There are games of every sort of shape, color, and the, the, the world military games. And they all have some of the same elements. I mean, what we do is, is special, but, but the structure and everything else that has to be contained, the requirements for venues and transport and going out and getting bids and, and funding and all that stuff, a lot of that stuff is the same. And it was just some stuff that we weren't doing. So now we've had the chance to implement some of that, to get out in front of it, to award the games in Berlin before Abu Dhabi. And in June, we'll be looking to award the 2025 World Winter Games before Kazan to give people time, to give people time to plan. And um, so there was just there was just some stuff that just needed to be done. And it believe me, it wasn't rocket science. If it was rocket science, I couldn't do it. So it's just um, you pick stuff up along the way, you build relationships. You know, the work we do in, in our sport partnerships is great. I mean, it goes so under the radar, but we have over 700 globally, over 700 sport partnerships. You know, they range from the International Tennis Federation, who's a great partner of ours, to the South American Tennis Confederation, to the Brazilian Tennis Federation, or badminton, or powerlifting, or floorball, or any of these sports. And these sports, I mean, I think it's great that these national federations, they look and they say, hey, Special Olympics, what are you doing? They go, oh, we're playing tennis. They go, oh, we play tennis. Cool, let's play tennis together. And then they're helping training coaches. They're providing access to a venue to get us on courts. They're providing equipment. Maybe they're helping out with a little bit of communications or some funding when they get the chance. Because at the end, it's just athletes. It's yeah. athletes. And whether you are have an intellectual disability or a physical disability or no disability, and all that federation wants to do is put more rackets in people's hands. So yeah. a lot of great work, uh, John Paul and his team on the sport partnership side. It's, it's fantastic. So, again, it goes to you just pick stuff up. I, I sort of know the space a little bit yeah. as a general and it's it's yeah it's been great it's been awesome fun. awesome so um we're gonna uh in just a few moments we're gonna take a, a short sponsor break because uh we wouldn't be able to get behind the microphone if it wasn't for uh, the sponsors uh and and partners and supporters of this podcast Fantastic. um but um and, and um uh, i'll also we we remind you all after that that break when we come back for the sec- last two acts of this episode um tim shrivo has a a uh, special gift that he'll send you at a certain uh, donation level to this podcast. So I'll let you all know about that after our sponsor break. Um, well, when we come back from the break, we will get to um, uh, a little bit more behind the scenes of managing the World Games. Uh, as as I drop the iPad, um, <laughs> uh, as, as, uh, and 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 then we'll celebrate the Kazan World Games. Uh, and we've got um, kind of a, a few things to t- talk about um, there um, as well. Um, but when we do come back from the break, I've got a, a um, question, well, a, a topic slash question that we, relates to managing the World Games of one one particular detail. Um, but I'll uh, I'll leave the listeners on the seat of the the edge of the seats um, for that. Um, but um, once again. 
Our guest is Lou, Chief of Sport in Competition and Special Olympics. We're talking all about managing World Games, and we'll go a little bit more behind the scenes um, and kind of let kind of um, let that fourth wall down a, a, a little bit more uh, to show um, a little bit more that I'm sure when a lot of people either watch watch our, our games on ESPN. Or, or, or they go in person, they, they probably don't realize just how much staff, how much volunteers, how much um, work goes into the game. So we'll get in, into that after the break. I want to brief, just briefly mention, if you make a $250, uh, at the $250 gift level to this podcast, Special Chronicles, uh, Tim Shriver will send you a free autographed copy of his new book, The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. So um, all you have to do is go to, uh, go to, uh, I've got it up, up here, go to uh, specialchronicles.com special slash give, or you can text give 250 to 833-953-2598. That's text GIVE250 to 833-953-2598. Or go to specialchronicles.com slash GIVE, and Tim Shriver will send you a free autographed copy of, of his new book, The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. We Just before we, we went on air, Lou, we, um, my, my dad, our business manager, told me we just had somebody um, that, that just made a $250 gift. So we're, we're hoping that we can get 10 people to, to make a $250 gift. So um, hopefully all of you listening can go um, over to specialchronicles.com slash give or text give to 50 to 833-953-2598 and do that. And Tim Shriver will send you a free autographed copy of his new book, The Call to Unite, Voices of Hope and Awakening. And with that, we'll be back talking um, with you, Lou, about behind the scenes of managing the World Games and, and celebration of the 300, 300 days to the Kazan World Games. It's coming up after the break right here on the Special Chronicles show on SpecialChronicles.com. We'll be right, right back. Support for Special Chronicles comes from listeners like you. As an independent public media podcast, Special Chronicles will, will always be there for you. Now we're asking you to be there for us. As a nonprofit independent media organization, we can only make programs like Special Chronicles with listener support. Our programs provide weekly candid, honest, and inspiring conversations about the people with disabilities community that creates awareness, support, and advocacy within each week's episode. Listeners tell us our shows are an enjoyable and necessary podcast for the intellectual and developmental disability community and everyone else who is able to listen to stories about life from a different angle. Please, if you and your family love our weekly podcast, make a one-time monthly or, or annual gift of thanks today. Support this podcast at specialchronicles.com slash give. That's specialchronicles.com slash give. Support for Special Chronicles comes from Comed. Special Chronicles is proud to partner with the Comed Energy Force Ambassador Program. The Energy Force is the country's first energy efficiency education program designed for and taught by people with disabilities. Comed is powering lives and really is powering us here at Special Chronicles to keep the lights on and our technology is powered on. As Comed powers the lives of us, they're literally giving a voice to people with, with special needs. We thank Comed for the generous support of our mission at Special Chronicles. Learn more at specialchronicles.com slash Comed. That's specialchronicles.com slash Comed. 
Hi, my name is Lisa Noble, and I'm a Combat Energy Force Ambassador and an athlete with Special Olympics Illinois. Hi, my name is Daniel Spakowski, and I also am a Combat Energy Force Ambassador and founder of a company called Special Chronicles. The Combat Energy Force program is a program that hires people with disabilities to teach the public how to save energy and money. It's the country's first energy efficiency program of its kind. Saving energy is especially important while everyone is at home due to COVID-19. We're using more electricity than ever before. Just think about how many more times you are opening the refrigerator door these days. And while the economy is stressed, it's more critical than ever to save money where we can. Following these tips can save energy and money in this time of COVID-19. Wash your clothes in cold water and use the dryer sparingly. Your dryer can take up to seven times more energy than the washroom. Turn off and unplug any electrical devices or power strips you are not using. Electrical devices can continue to zap power even when turned off if they're still plugged in. We call them vampire devices. Use LED bulbs. They use 25% less energy than incandescent bulbs and last up to 25 times longer, saving you lots of money over time. Keep your refrigerator between 35 and 38 degrees. And be sure to use energy-style appliances. And last but not least, check out comment.com slash home savings for more tips and rebates. Lisa and I would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. Remember, we are all in this together. Stay healthy. And stay safe. Bye. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. There are a few ways to help lower the spread of this respiratory disease. Wash your hands. Avoid touching your face, including mouth, nose, and eyes. Cover your coughs and sneezes. Monitor your symptoms and consult with your doctor. Stay at home and away from other sick people except for medical care. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. We're not Thank just you. athletes. We are the ambassadors of an uprising. Peaceful protesters. In a rebellion against anyone who has a fear of difference. 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 Our demands are equality, 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 dignity, 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 and the recognition of our shared humanity. We will not stop or accept anything less. Today, our world is more divided than ever, and coming together has never been more urgent. The revolution is inclusion. Find out more at jointherevolution.org. The mission of how I started podcasting and started Special Chronicles is giving respect and voice to those of us with special needs. I became an athlete leader at Special Olympics Illinois, and when I recorded the audio of the speeches that I was given and putting those up as podcasts, I soon received messages of encouragement, and I learned that it was a powerful platform and really helping to make a difference in people's lives. 12 years ago, I didn't expect that anybody would want to even listen to me. We have over 42,316 listeners per month. 
It's a humbling experience. I'm really grateful to make a difference in other people's lives. You are listening to the Special Chronicles show right here on SpecialChronicles.com. Our guest is Lou, Chief of Sport and Competition Special Olympics. Welcome back, Lou. Thanks. Good to be back, Dan. And that, that little intro video that you, you hold coming out, out of that sponsor break, I realized when we were in the sponsor break, I, I usually play it after the 30-second countdown at the beginning of, of, the, um, of the broadcast. And I realized I forgot to do that, <laughs> so I was like, uh, "Let's just uh, let's just um, um, do it coming out of the break, ha- halfway through the episode." So <laughs> sometimes you kind of have to improvise a little bit there. But let's now move into the second act of this episode and tell us about what your your role and and as I said in the, in the introduction, your role is as a chief of sport and competition. So tell us about your role is, tell us about what your role is with with regards to a World Games. Sure. So our team, we've, um, and this is in the last, you know, several years, we've worked really hard to redesign the the bid materials. Um, So starting from the, the marketing and the collateral materials we use, to the strategic approach on how we go out and identify bids. So our team is responsible from the, the very, very beginning of, of developing and cultivating conversations that turn into bids, supporting the development of the bids, the evaluation of the bids to the board selecting the hosts. Then they form an organizing committee, a local organizing committee. We work very closely with the local organizing committee to support their planning and their delivery of the games. And then there's a whole evaluation process after the games where we work closely with them for a few months in the wind down after the games to do a proper evaluation, to figure out what changes we need to make to be able to keep innovating, to also capture the knowledge. So there's a whole transfer process where we take the materials, the content, everything and, and that they've done and we now finally established a consistent format to transfer the knowledge from games to games. Um, and that's, uh, and then we do it again. So uh, we take it from the start to the finish, um, which, you know, in, in the Olympic context, that's about 10 years. The Olympics, you get about, traditionally it's, it's changed now, but you get about seven years to plan. And then the bidding process was two years at one point for us. That's probably uh, six years five to six years, you get about four years to plan and like Berlin's having in an ideal situation. And then the bid process is probably a year and a half, two years. And then if you count for the evaluation on the back, so it probably is about six years. Uh, awesome. Awesome. And, and, and we'll, we'll get to a, a little bit more in the third and final act of this episode, sure. a, a little, a little bit how the global pandemic and COVID has impacted that, 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 um, I think you, you you said six or seven year time, and because as you know the this global pandemic and COVID has affected a lot of all programs and not only our programs in Special Olympics but all of our lives across the globe. So um, we we kind of have to kind of a little bit touch on that at the end of the episode as we 
look to the Kazan Wood Games and and then in the and then Berlin as well. Um, and I'm sure we'll have to have you on again leading up to the Berlin Wood Games. Um, but um, oh, we could always just we 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 broadcast this episode as well. <laughs> but I think it'll be fun just to have you on on again. Um, and so. On a on a bigger scale, tell us about what and I, hold on, wait briefly. I'm hearing some echo. I don't know if um, do you have any headphones? You could I I sh- I, I should have <laughs> done this in the pre-show, but there's a little bit of of an echo. I hear. I don't know if if, if you hear an, an echo. No, can you hear me now? Does yeah, that sound okay. Yeah, yeah, I can hear. You. Okay, okay. I don't know uh, what that. I don't think it's on my end. I hear a little bit of like a, yeah, I don't, it should be fine. Hopefully the, hopefully people can, can, can still hear us. <laughs> okay. All right. So on a bigger scale, tell us about what goes into planning and running a world games. Sure. And I'll, it's funny. I'll give you an, a little anecdote before I have that conversation. Yeah. So like I mentioned in the Olympic context, you have about seven years and, when I moved to Sydney, it was about three years before the games and my friends that weren't in the business or didn't really sort of know, they were like, why are you going over there three years before the games? You know, like people just don't have a, they think that yeah. you get there and everything is put on and it's, the athletes have trained and you go and you get to see some competition. That's going to be great. So people don't, if you're not in the industry, you don't really have an appreciation for all the work that, that happens before. But typically, you know, if, if we look at Abu Dhabi or Berlin, there's the, you know, we sign the host agreement with them. They're one of the games and then they have to build an organizing committee. Um, and that organizing committee has to have, a, you know, from the top down, a CEO and a chief of technology and a chief of marketing and communications and, and chief of operations and everything. And then the team below them. So the operations team is going to have a transport person and an accommodation person. And then below them, they're going to have accommodation people and, transport people on that team. So it's really sort of a build out um, to where you get to, you know, a hundred people, 150 people, depending on, you know, on the event and everything in the, in the Olympic context, it's, you know, thousands of people, but it's uh, it's, you know, there, there are materials you provide, there are technical requirements, you know, and I, I think really the, the quality of the bid really can have an impact, especially when you start talking about things like legacy, the quality of the bid and the, the partnership and the relationship built during the bid can really sort of help ensure that you're going to have not only a great games, but also a sustainable legacy that's going to last long past the games and impact that community, that country um, and everything. So it's, um, you know, it's providing and articulating your requirements, understanding too, it's a partnership. So you want to understand what that city's trying to achieve, what that country's trying to achieve, because it's not transactional that you're taking something from them and they're going to give you something and then you don't give it. It's got to be, you have to understand their needs and, and they might want to do three things and you might want to do four things and you agree on two things and then the other thing. So it's, it's a negotiation. I know you have, you have agreements and contracts and requirements, but there's a, it needs to be good collaboration and you have to ensure that they're getting what they need out of it as well as you're getting what you need out of it. And that's what you can find out in the bid process. You know, how committed they are, you know, how city 
that they're invested in the movement in healthcare and schools and everything for people with disabilities, as opposed to I've had conversations where people are just going down a list and you're the next event on the list. And then there's another event after yours and it's more transactional. So you really want to get people that are committed to the movement. Yeah. What we have is a real powerful platform that can create change in cities and in countries. bestow your franchise, your marquee event on a worthy host. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. I I think you cut you cut in in and out just a little bit there. So <laughs> um sorry, did, did what part did uh where did I cut out? Uh, um well kind of the the in the entire story it, 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 it was uh <laughs> it kind of uh, <laughs> paused a little bit. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um. So I, I don't. Know, it, it, you, you said that you that you had an anecdote, an anecdote um, story about um, as you talk about it on a bigger scale uh, about what goes into planning and when in a world games. Yeah. So is the audio better yeah. now? Can you hear? Yeah, it's it's okay. better. So yeah, when I moved to Australia, I was saying that my friends didn't understand why I was going to Australia three years before the games because people don't understand how long it takes. And like I said, in the Olympics, you get seven years to true. Used to get seven years to plan and put on an Olympics. So it's a it's a complex process. You know, you have so many. You think you're just working with an organizing committee, and and you're the property owner or the event owner, but. You've got governments and, and, and cities and sort of other strategic partners and everybody's trying to achieve what they're trying to achieve. So it's um, important to understand everybody's goals, everybody's commitment to what you're doing and that sort of shared commitment and those shared values and those shared goals are going to ensure a great legacy like we're seeing in Abu Dhabi, which is probably one of the best I've seen in, in 25 years of doing this. Yeah. They, had a long-term vision and now they're achieving their vision. Yeah, I know it's, it, it's amazing. The amazing legacy, um, um, coming out, um, off of the Abu Dhabi world games. And I love that the, that they refer to us as people with de- determination. I, I just kind of a, kind of a brief side before we get back into the, the main topic, but like, I guess kind of, that, there's a lot of different, Legacies from those Abu Dhabi World Games, but when, when you when you talk about like the language and, uh, 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 with people with determination, and what what effect do you think that that part of the Abu Dhabi World Games legacy will have on on um, on the on on the globe and other competitions and, and other World Games and. Yeah. I mean, I think the great thing about the UAE and what they did was as a country, they were going in this direction. They had a strategic vision. They were going in this direction. They viewed our event as a great platform to, to you know, to basically implement and, and help them sort of achieve their vision. So we were a great vehicle and it was a great partnership and the UAE government was fully supportive. And so that's where you're going to get a sustainable legacy not a, a legacy where they're just doing your event and then they're going to go on to do another event and the legacy is going to fall off. That's more transactional. But if you can find somebody who's invested and moving in that direction, our event can be such a catalyst for, uh, for real change in societies. 
Yeah, uh, awesome. And um, there was a. Uh, and then when we talk about as we go to Kazan in in Russia for those, um, which we'll get to a little bit more in the third and final act. But I, I want to just briefly comment. Tim had had mentioned, and I've got a. I'm I'm, I'm going to try to pull. I I've got a video clip, but I, I'm going to just for the sake of time just share the audio with you and and the listeners of Tim talking about when we go to Kazan, and then I was wondering if you could comment on. Um, our chairman Tim Shrivo on on his kind of because um, I I briefly briefly mentioned it at the end because we had to mention it at the at the end of our conversation. So let me let me click play on this. If we unite closer to the champions, thank you again, Tim. For, oh, uh, let me rewind a little bit. Sorry, I didn't cue this up before. And I look forward to seeing you again in Kazan, Russia, when we're there for the World Winter Games. And just a year away, a year we'll be away. back on the, on the on the slopes. Uh, and again, who would have thought uh, to go to Russia? Everybody thinks, wait a second, we don't like those people, or wait a second, who's who's judging those people? Not Special Olympics. We go. We're includers. We're uh, we're the champions of the inclusion revolution. If you welcome us, we're coming. So. Yeah, uh, let's go. Strap on your boots, your ice skates, and we're headed off to Russia next year. And what will be a fantastic games? I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I, I can't wait as well. So, so what, I'm gonna pause pause that there. I was wondering if if you could comment, and I think my microphone might be having some issues. <laughs> um, but anyways, if you could comment on on our chairman um, um, Tim Shrivo and what he said about us going to because uh, and how people say, oh, why? We don't like those guys and why and 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 and, and how we're includos and, and inclusion revolution and, and, and just kind of I guess comment on Tim's Tim's comments. Yeah, on, 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 uh, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, we go where we're needed, and SO Russia they've got great leadership. It's going to be a fantastic program. They're in a, a growth mode. There, it's sort of a new dawn for them and people in Russia with intellectual disabilities. We go where we're needed, and 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 Russia, you know, made the ask, and, and we're going to Russia, and it is going to be fantastic. You know, we've been to China, we've been to the UAE, we've you know been to the US, and we're going to Germany. So we go where we needed, we go where we needed, and we we help people and we help change societies. And um, yeah, to Tim's point, if you're if you're willing to have us, we're going to come. We're going to do our best. Our athletes are going to put on a fantastic show, and. And we're going to change societies and, and the way people interact. So, uh, no, 100% agree. And by the way, Kazan's a fantastic city. I've been awesome. there a few times. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and what, what you, you just said about how when it comes to a World Games, and this ties in with behind the scenes of managing a, a World Games, we go well, well, we're needed. When, when and if, if there are all any listeners um, out there that – have have a city, or at that have have a city anywhere across the globe that might want to put in, in a bid for a future special Olympics World Games. Is that is that with is that of where we go? Will like in Abu Dhabi? It was needed for us to go there to. It was needed for us to bring our movement, to bring our, our world games there, just like in Kazan and everything happening in Russia. It's needed for us, us to go there. Same thing with Berlin and like 
you said China and, and even back in in the U.S. It's needed for us to go to to that city, to that whole city. Is is that one of the things? Okay, I guess is that one of the qualify? Oh, is, is that one of the attributes? That's the only word I, I can think of now. Is is that one of the attributes that you and your team? Look, look for in, in yeah in the bids. Absolutely, absolutely, Dan. There's a section in the beginning of the bid. So when you first start to look at the bid documents about motivation, vision, and legacy, and that is a really important part of the bid. What's your motivation? What's your vision? You know, Germany was clear they used the athlete's vision, and then what's your sort of legacy? So how how are we doing that? And you know, it's it's interesting because it's it's all about a journey and where a city or a country, you know, where they are and where they want to get to. So it's not that every, every place we go might, you know, be at a, a very low sort of point as far as how they work with people with intellectual disabilities. So it could be different starting points. You could be at a, at a, you know, medium or a higher level and you just want to get to the next level. So you might be a seven out of 10 and you're trying to get it to a nine out of 10. Or you can be a two out of ten, and you're trying to get to a six out of ten. So it's all about where you are on that journey. It's like being an athlete, right? Like yeah. You sort of compete. So if you're doing, you know, a certain number of reps, or you're doing, your time is coming down. It's all about that journey. So we, you know, we would we go anywhere, you know, but just tell us why we should come to your city and to your country. And to your point about people that are listening and, and may have an interest, they should talk to their national program or their state program have some conversations around that. The other thing that we're doing that's really cool is we've taken the Unified Cup, which was a, a success in Chicago, yeah. a really good caliber of sport, and now we package that and we put that out to bid, and we had seven countries interested, and then the pandemic hit, and SO Michigan was the, the bid that we wound up going with. So the 2022 Unified Cup will be in, um, will be in Michigan. Awesome. Uh, Dan, you know, I, sorry, can you, do you edit this? Um, sometimes, not that much. Can you edit that out because we haven't made that announcement yet? Oh, yeah, we, we are live right now. On, okay. On YouTube, right. Facebook, and Twitter, we are live right now, which, <laughs> uh, so the video, it's kind of hard to edit out that since okay. yeah, we're Yeah, no worries, no worries. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, so we, yeah, so... Maybe what we'll do, we'll just say, um, <laughs> yeah, um, we could, yeah. Let's let's we can maybe edit it out of the recording session. But anyway, yeah, back to the point. So yeah, we're taking these the sport events. You know, in the Dominican Republic, we had the tennis international tennis invitational, which the first lady and the president of the Dominican Republic hosted us. It was a great tennis event. So we're going to look at smaller events, single sport events that we can go into smaller markets. Not everybody can host a World Games. There's only so many world capitals and, and sort of large countries that can host the world games that have the resources. So we're going to look at single sport events like tennis and like soccer and go into smaller markets and really be able, because, you know, in, in Chicago, we had healthy athletes in the Dominican Republic. We had a global athlete leadership Congress. So we've had uh, other parts beside the sport part, but we're going to take these single sport events and be able to go into um, smaller markets and make sure we spread the good, the good work that we do into uh, 
other parts of the world. Awesome. Um, and I did make a note of that time, that timestamp. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look <laughs> into that. Moving on, and um, I, I know we'll we'll uh, post in the the mark, so we'll try to kind of sure. move on this conversation. But what have you taken? And when our guest is, is is Lou, the chief chief of sporting competition at Special Olympics, we're talking about um, behind the scenes of managing a World Games. What have you taken from these experiences that any of our viewers can learn from? Um, it's especially if if, if there's any. Any of our listeners that might want to talk with with their city, with their with their program or state program or, or country program, and put in a bid for a future World Games, um, what have you taken away from these experiences uh, that any of our listeners can learn from? Yeah, I think it's you know it's it's about a couple of things, right? It's about where your program is you know, and, and sort of what's right for your program to, to, to consider hosting. Is it a, you know, a smaller event? Is it a bigger event? Is it, do you have a, a government that's supportive? Cause you know, and then, you know, the other thing too, is we've got different models. We have some models where the program is, is leading, you know, and in the case of Berlin, SO Germany led the bid. We've had other games where the program hasn't been as, you know, developed or as strong as an SO Germany and, and they've had the government leading the way. So, there's, there's all sorts of different models, but, um, you know, I, I think it's undeniable. If you look, go back to Dublin in 03 and the great work that Mary did, yeah. it changed Ireland and it built a very strong program in Special Olympics Ireland. So there's an opportunity to, to make transformational change in your community. And it doesn't have to be a, a World Games. It can be a Unified Cup. It can be a tennis event. It can be looking at your national games and reimagining how you do your national games and working with the region, so your regional sport director, um, the regional president, and, and looking at how you do your national games and just improving the quality. I saw some great stuff, um, you know, out of Africa where they didn't have a lot of resources, but everything they did was very professional and, and very sort of well-organized, the award ceremonies and everything about it. So it's not always about having the money and the resources. You can do things simply and do them very well. In, in Chicago at the Unified Cup, we followed all the same protocols and the competition management team did a great job that if you would have gone to a CONCACAF, which is international, it's, it's the region that we're in as, as Americans. If you would have gone to a CONCACAF event, you would have seen the process and the match protocol was identical to what we did in Chicago on a minuscule budget, but you can still do those same elements. So awesome. there's a, there's opportunity to improve your, your state or your national games. There's opportunities to bid for an event that might fit your needs uh, on a bigger scale, but um, it doesn't. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to take a lot. You know, you can be simple and you can do it really well. Awesome, awesome. And in just a couple minutes, we're going to take another short. Not as long. Not as long as that five minute break, but just so like a just a short one minute um, sponsor break. Um, just to kind of the at the half hour mark is a good time to take a break. But um, but um, after we do that, we'll we'll kind of wrap up and finish this second part um, of uh, as we're talking about behind the scenes of managing the, the world games and um, have a brief kind of question related to um, uh, the uh, what would have been the world games in Sweden and then preparing for 
because I have a question related to that, um, as well as I teased it in the first act at the top of at the top of the hour about um, a question related to um, one of the, one of the particular technologies that. I, I believe your team um, and, and, and kind of how the, the competition is won, but we'll we'll get to that as we wrap up the second act and then um, as we go into the third act. You are listening to the Special Chronicles show on specialchronicles.com. Our guest is Lou T for Sport of Sporting Competition and Special Olympics. We'll be right back after a final short sponsor break right here on specialchronicles.com. We'll be right back. Support for Special Chronicles comes from listeners like you. As an independent public media podcast, Special Chronicles will will always be there for you. Now we're asking you to be there for us. As a nonprofit independent media organization, we can only make programs like Special Chronicles with listener support. Our programs provide weekly candid, honest, and inspiring conversations about the people with disabilities community that creates awareness, support, and advocacy within each week's episode. Listeners tell us our shows are an enjoyable and necessary podcast for the intellectual and developmental disability community and everyone else who is able to listen to stories about life from a different angle. Please, if you and your family love our weekly podcast, make a one-time monthly or, or annual gift of thanks today. Support this podcast at specialchronicles.com slash give. That's specialchronicles.com slash give. Support for Special Chronicles comes from Comed. Special Chronicles is proud to partner with the Comed Energy Force Ambassador Program. The Energy Force is the country's first energy efficiency education program designed for and taught by people with disabilities. Comed is powering lives and really is powering us here at Special Chronicles to keep the lights on and our technology is powered on. As Comed powers the lives of us, they're literally giving a voice to people with, with special needs. We thank Comed for the generous support of our mission at Special Chronicles. Learn more at specialchronicles.com slash comed. That's specialchronicles.com slash comed. You are listening to the Special Chronicles show right on specialchronicles.com. I'm, I'm um, Daniel Fondo Special Chronicles and a Southern Tribal International Global Messenger with Special Olympics. Our guest is Lou, Chief of Sport and Competition Special Olympics. Welcome back, Lou. Oh, he is muted. We should unmute him. Hi, <laughs> and so we're gonna wrap up this um, this act, the second act, and then we'll get into our third and final act um, as we wrap up this episode. But given the world game from Sweden and your preparation for that, um, you you, I guess, as a brief tease to to this question, you you mentioned right before that that break about needing government support. Um, and um, and I, I guess kind of looking to, to Sweden and Russia, kind of using what you previously said about needing government support as kind of a, a setup for this next question. And given that the World Games in Sweden and your preparation for that, it's cancellation and moving to Kazan and that preparation. What was your last year in in? In in in, in two thousand twenty, it, it was your last year and a half. Like, and did your world change? If so, how? Sure, great questions. So it was difficult, you know, sort of moving on and getting to that place with Sweden, who were good partners. 
Um, you know, the planning was going well. We had an invitational event there that was, you know, international athletes and, and Sweden's a great winter sport country. Their government just doesn't fundamentally fund events and they viewed it as a sporting event and not in the context of the other work we do. So it was difficult. They were, they were great. They were making challenging our thinking and making us sort of rethink things and what we needed versus what was essential. We, it was very athlete centric is, is how they sort of, you know, viewed things, which was, which was good. So we, we had a great relationship, you know, it, it, it ended, it's unfortunate. The government couldn't sort of work their way through getting us the funding that we needed. Um, and then, you know, in January of 2020, we went back out to market and had a couple of conversations with a, a few interested cities. We, you know, created a scale down bare bones bid book that was just going to be the technical requirements because we were at a loss for time too. It was yeah. difficult. And then uh, we wound up in a conversation with Special Olympics Russia and their new leadership, um, you know, Olga Slutsker, who was able to mobilize the Russian government, the Republic of Tatarstan, and the city of Kazan to uh, to come to the table with a with a great proposal and uh, fully funded, and uh, we were able to award the games to Kazan. The, the you know Special Olympics International Board of Directors uh, looked at the materials and we awarded the games to Kazan, uh, and we're we're fortunate. Um, to have Kazan as a partner. Awesome. Awesome. And so this is a good transition. And I did have another question that I I probably should have got gotten to before this kind of podcast transition question to the third and final act. Um, But um, I'm going to, I'm going to get to it right before our fourth and final act with the final messages. So I'll, 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 again, I will leave, I'll leave our listeners on the edge of their seats with that beyond just because this, what you just said is good to, as we celebrate the 300 days until Kazan World Games. So we are, we are about 300 days out from the World Games in Kazan. Where are we? And now just because people might listen to this podcast um, at any time in, in the future, so we're recording this on Monday, the fifth of April, twenty twenty one. So just kind of in that kind of time for our listeners that kind of give a context of where we are today, the fifth of April, twenty twenty one. Where are we in the preparation for these ga- these World Games and these World Winter Games in Kazan? So we're we're fortunate. One of the legacies. So in in two thousand thirteen, Kazan hosted the World University Games, which is a massive event, 10,000 athletes, 140 countries, 26 sports. It's a massive event. They spent about $3 billion U.S. billion for the event, building out their infrastructure, the airport. They have a metro. It's a giant university town with hundreds of thousands of college students. They were a host of the Russia World Cup in 2018. They were one of the host cities. They've hosted the FINA World Championships. They've hosted every sports capital of Russia. So what they did after the 2013 World University Games was they stood up and organized um, an entity of about 200 people. It's called the DSSP, the Director of Sport and Social Projects. So this entity, as they bid and win events, and they're going to host another FIN event. They just hosted a fencing event a couple weeks ago. They have a judo, international judo event in a month. As these events come in, these events are basically, there are teams that are, are tasked with delivering these events. So they didn't have to start from zero. They didn't have to form an organizing committee. They had processes and procedures and an entity in place with people. So we started to work with them and it was, it was very, it was like we were dating. We started out on our 10th date 
they understood and, and they asked, okay, you guys call it this, we call it that, okay, you guys do one, two, three, all right, we're going to do one and two, boom. And we just got on with it. So our team, from a planning perspective, with the LOC and Kazan is going full blast and it's going really well. Now, to, to COVID and the impact to COVID and the geopolitical and the impact of the geopolitical, that's another situation that has added, obviously, you know, several layers of complexity to this event, unlike anything I've ever seen before. And we're not alone in, in this regard, trying to navigate COVID. Other events have been canceled, rescheduled. Um, all of my friends in this industry, I've got a lot of friends in this industry, are all trying to work through this. What we've done is we've put the processes in place so we have the right people. We have the Ministry of Health in, in, in Kazan and, the, and all their health officials. we got all their security officials. We've got all the right people in place. We have the processes in place. We're going out to the programs and we're surveying the programs, asking them for critical information. You know, we're, we've got everything set and structurally in place. So the information that we have is constantly evolving. We're getting questions. We're answering the questions. Those are leading to new questions. You know, but for somebody to ask you next January in Kazan, Russia, you know, what type of COVID test am I going to need to take at the airport? We don't know that now. I can tell you what we know in April 2021, and I can tell you that we've got a process in place that will give us that information as we get closer to Kazan. And then we're going to have to make decisions about what Kazan looks like. But the plan is, is we're going full steam ahead. The planning has been great. They're a great team to work with. They're highly professional. Like I said, they had an international fencing event there a couple of weeks ago, had U.S. athletes competing, Swedish athletes, athletes from all over the world. They have a judo event. There are other events coming up. And the other thing I'll say about them is when we looked at doing the test event, we were going to have an international test event, and we wound up you know, jointly deciding, because they're our partners, jointly deciding that it would be a Russia-only test event. We had only asked them to, to test the snow sports but they wanted to do more and they have done more. So they're going to do a, a floorball event in May um, as an example. So they want to learn more about what's unique about our event and, and how to work with our athletes and our delegation. So they've been a great partner. I spent a lot of time in Russia, a lot of time in Kazan. We were very, very fortunate to land in this city. Awesome. Awesome. And, and with, with that, um, you just mentioned briefly about how, um, People may ask you, like, what COVID test would they need to be able to travel in January 2020? And I know as being one of full special Olympics athletes looking at United Airlines, that that's – and we get – we heal all the time. Like, there's a lot of extra, like, travel COVID paperwork that you have to fill out when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you travel now – internationally and and so what is true what you may need today monday the 5th of april tomorrow tuesday the 6th of april could be totally different and let let alone i don't know how how many months it is into january but let let alone six seven well let alone 300 day 300 days until we all go so it's yeah But Dan, the the important thing is you know who to go to to, for that information. You know who needs to be at the table to have those conversations, where to get the questions from. That's the most important thing. The information is going to change and evolve, change and evolve, change and evolve. But But if you've got the right process in place, 
you're always going to have the most up-to-date information yeah. and that's how you can make an informed decision. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, hopefully um, for, for all of our um, listeners and if, if there are any athletes, I, I know at least one athlete here in, in Illinois who, who is, I believe she's going to be competing in snowshoeing in Kazan. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her compete, but for anybody um, just keep, um, keep, I guess, um, with your either state or, or country program, the the best bet is for them just to stay in touch with their local program. Absolutely, and if they have questions, raise them with the local program. We're working super closely with the regions. We're checking in all the time. We've got, like I said, systems in place to to pull the information up, the questions, and they're all great questions. You know, and I think some of it is the the unknown. You know, we got a question related to, you know, will I be able to get pharmaceuticals in Kazan? And I think maybe some people think. Kazan is a remote village in, in Siberia. It is a major city, um, a big university city. They have all the infrastructure you could need. You know, you can go there and, and, and everything is there. So it's not a, a remote village. Um, you know, it's and they're they're super supportive of the event. They have been um, great to work with. And like I said, my experience there is every event they deliver, they deliver very, very well. Awesome. Um, everything you could possibly want awesome. will there in that regard yeah i love that you said that they have a lot of experience with the university games and the world cup and 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 then your experience going there with these test games and and that that like it's it's so exciting that we have these host cities and and host programs with our special Olympics Russia program and and that that they're so that they want to what you, you you talked about earlier they they they've got a clear motivation a clear vision and a clear legacy that will help to move move the movement forward into the future. And, and Russia, Special Olympics Russia, like I said, is a good program, great leadership. They're ready to take this next step, and this is going to be a fantastic event for them. Um, and then, you know, Russia as a country has a sphere of influence in that part of the world, and it's going to you know, have a positive impact on countries beyond Russia. Awesome. So, awesome. Um, it's, a great opp- it's a great opportunity for us. Awesome. I'm sure that preparing for a World Games is different from country to country, like from, for example, from Los Angeles to Austria to, I'm trying to do this off the top of my head, to Abu Dhabi to uh, Kazan to Berlin, to, like from, from country to country and, and culture to culture. What has been unique for preparing for a World Games in Russia, in Kazan? Um, <laughs> Well, I tell you, and, and it's one of the things I absolutely love about the the industry and the work that we do and what our team does and within Special Olympics is just that ability that I can go to the UAE for two years, get to build relationships, work with them. We can deliver a great event and I'll take away because you can always learn, right? Yeah. And I'll take away some knowledge. I'll take away things I didn't know, an appreciation for different things and a different understanding. So that's a beautiful benefit of, of the work that we do. Absolutely beautiful benefit. As far as Kazan, it's the first event. We haven't been there yet. I mean, I've been there, but our team has not had the ability due to COVID to, to travel to Kazan. So we have uh, we've not been on the ground yet. We're hoping that situation changes for us here in the, the next few months. But um, so I guess I would say that <laughs> is the biggest challenge. And we're not the only organization facing this or, yeah. or the only event facing this. Um, so it's I would say that's been the biggest challenge. 
not being there, not being able to walk the streets of the city, not being able to go have dinner with some of the people deorganizing committee or, or taking a ride out to the snowboarding venue. So, so that is, uh, that's been challenging. Um, you know, whereas in Berlin, a lot of our team has been there um, and, and we're, you know, and they have more time and, and everything else. So it's a different situation in Kazan. Awesome. And now kind of an, another kind of unique question. And, and Wadey, when we talk about being a unique question, Wadey, when it comes to this global pandemic and, 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 and COVID, um, it's probably a, a question that um, two years ago, I wouldn't typically... If 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 we did with with you, if and and I know we just met two years ago, but if we did a this podcast episode two years ago, I I I I wouldn't be adding this question, this next topic to our conversation right now. But what's been unique about COVID and how you prepare in Russia, as well as getting all the other special Olympic programs ready to come to the World Game. So, not only us here in the United States, but in um, Africa, in the UAE, and Australia, and and um, all the um, 190. Oh, I, I'm sure for for winter, it'll probably be less than 190. But I I, I think you said earlier 200, um, 200 of our uh, of our programs. Um, but what's been unique about COVID and how you prepare? in Russia and sure. getting all the programs. To, to come. So we're doing it. And I think this was the general trend, but we're doing a lot more of it where the HO OSA and, and Kana and Heisong and that team on the delegation side is working very closely with the Russian team. We're doing more virtual training, more HOD webinars. We started HOD webinars, I guess in Abu Dhabi, but taking that to the next level, Venetia and Christian and, and that team are, working on uh, officials and training officials virtually. So we're doing a lot more virtual. We're finding that we can prepare people, that we can get a lot achieved virtually. It doesn't get you on the mountain. It doesn't have you do a tour of a hotel the way we would want to do it. But we're able to achieve a lot using technology. And, and frankly, I don't ever see the need to go back to the way we had traveled before and the way we had done things before. I think it's going to be you know, some sort of settle in the middle kind of thing, but the virtual, um, the virtual capacity to, to train, to, to exchange information. We did a, you know, we're getting ready to do a virtual site visit for the 2025 world winter games because we can't travel to the country. So um, people are finding a way to adapt. And like I said, we're not the only event. Other events are living in the same sort of context. So, uh, so that's, go just real quick. I, I gotta say the, yeah. the one thing that's been great is having an experienced partner this would be a lot difficult, a lot more difficult if we had a partner that didn't have a lot of experience and people were doing this for the first time, but that's not the case. So we're, we're very fortunate in this regard. Awesome. So the, the, with all this um, Zoom and, and Microsoft Teams and, 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 and this, this, this virtual getting ready, do you think because, because of COVID and, and all of us being forced to do a lot of this um, training with coaches and athletes and and staff for the World Games. Do you think as we look to a past Berlin, so past 2023 in 2025 and and beyond, when it comes to your team and all the related teams for the World Games, that this 
kind of, I guess, being forced to use Zoom and Microsoft Teams and, and all this virtual has really kind of helped you kind of more streamline uh, the the preparation for future World Games beyond 2023? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. I think part of the legacy when we evaluate Kazan and we look at sort of how we had to do things differently, part of that sort of evaluation is going to be what can we continue to bring forward? What can we do digitally? Um, and there's a lot of good stuff being done. So 100% agree that the That'll be the case. Awesome. And what what are we to expect at the World Games in Kazan in um, January uh, 2022? I don't have the dates. I, I mean, I, I've got the dates in my calendar because Chris, my, my, my mentor, already we we already blocked out um, those. those um, I think Emily even gave us some travel dates to block out in our calendars. I, I don't have that in front of me right now, um, but what what can we expect to see at the World Games in January? And then um, one of my fellow SSI GMs, um, Hannah, I don't know if you met Hannah. Yeah, I think maybe... Hannah. Okay. Yeah. So Hannah has a question in the comments, um, but uh, oh, but cool. but first, what um, and it's 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 related to what to what I just asked you right now. But what are we what are we to expect at, at the World Games next January? In Kazan? sure. So I mean, besides obviously the performances of the athletes, I know it's been difficult. People haven't been able to train as much as they would have normally trained and get out on the mountain or play floorball or or do some of the other stuff. So understanding that the preparation is going to be different, but our athletes are amazing. And our job as a team is to provide a platform for the athletes to achieve their best. And that can be a MATP athlete achieving his best, or it could be uh, an Alpine skier and the winter context achieving their best. It's all ability levels. And we want to set the stage and provide an environment. And that includes everything that includes, you know, the preparation, the training. We want to provide an environment where athletes can achieve their best, whatever their best may be. Awesome. The city of Kazan, it's a wide open city. So it's not a, it's not a dense city. It's not a, you know, a New York city or a Chicago. That's got a lot of density. It's a lot of wide open spaces. It's along two rivers. Um, they've got a, a, a Kremlin, which is a beautiful blue moss there. And there's a history museum across the street. That's fantastic. The, the, the Tartar people, it's a, a crossroads of Asian culture and European culture. The people are warm, they're hospitable, um, big university town. On my first trip there, I went to see, the, they saved the Lenin studied there, and they saved the classroom that Lenin studied, and they gave me a tour of that. Um, so it's, you know, those sporting venues are spectacular. There's plenty to do. Um, food's really good. It is. Um, it, it, it's a great city. So I think people can expect um, the people at Tartarstown again having all this event experience. They know how to volunteer. They know how to come out and support events. They'll come out on the roof for Russia, but the roof for all the athletes. And I think it's just going to be a warm, hospitable environment in a, in a great city that is um, welcoming. Awesome. And um, one of my fellow, um, along with Ian, one of, one of our fellow SSI GMs. Um, Hannah from uh, so Colorado, and as I say, not only on this special Chronicle show, but on the Georgia and Daniel show, Hannah is really one of our favorite Colorado listeners. <laughs> and so Hannah asks, how many Special Olympics Russia athletes competed in the World Winter Games in Russia? 
I'm going to kind of add on to a question. Uh, not only <laughs> how many Russia athletes, uh, so what Russia athletes, but I guess how many, you can a- answer that question, but in addition to that, how many athletes overall um, from, uh, from how, how, how many countries are going to be competing at the World Winter Games in? Sure. So there will be 2,000 athletes from 108 delegations. As far as the exact number of Russian athletes, I don't know. And as I said before, all I have to do is know somebody that knows it. Yeah, They'll have the largest delegation. The home team typically yeah. does have the largest delegation. Um, they're a great winter sport country, so they'll have a, a large delegation. If I had a guess, I'd be guessing, I don't know, maybe 300 athletes from Russia. Right. Uh, I could find out that fact. Yeah. Again, if I find out, I'll uh, I'll get that information awesome. and I'll Along to you, is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can and and um, a, a brief. Um, I don't know if you were at the media reception and when we were in Abu Dhabi, but um, that was one of the receptions that, that I gave a speech at. And on the projected on the screen, they had they had they had images from the opening ceremonies that will a few days be before. And um, Chris took a picture. Well, so Chris was. Chris um, videotaped. I guess. I guess you don't say videotaped anymore. Filmed. I guess on the phone. But after he filmed my speech, I went up and posed so he he could take a still picture. And and I'll I'll, to me, I'll, I'll find it. I got it on my uh, the picture on my phone, and I I can send it to you. But he, he took a picture, and behind on the screen is it said. Um, I think it said. I'm pretty sure it said Berlin, with the Berlin walking into the open ceremonies in Abu Dhabi. But and I feel like with me giving that speech at the at the media reception, and then having that Berlin in the, in the background, it was kind of another foreseeing of the omen. future moment. Omen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of. I kind of found that kind of kind of neat <laughs> to kind of. And my mom has um, studied in Germany before, and so she's looking forward. She's never been to a World Games, and so she's really looking forward to coming to um, the um, Berlin. Berlin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, Berlin's going to be great. The yeah. athletes, fantastic. Oh, I see. Oh, the hell yeah. is cool. You can see the question. What can oh, all yeah, this- yeah, yeah, yeah. The other question from Hannah. The world uh, one against success was a great question, Hannah. I mean, I would just say um, sort of using social media. So when we post stuff, we've got a good social media team. When we post up, reposting that to raise awareness. Um, you know, if you want to learn more about Kazan and, and sort of uh, helping people understand the type of city that it is, that it has major universities, um, great infrastructure, fantastic food. The people are warm and welcoming. So you can read up about Kazan and, 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 you know, dispel any notions. And people felt the same way when we were going to the UAE. Oh, I don't know about that part of the world, or I'm a little concerned. And we went there, we go where we needed and we went there and they were fantastic hosts. Yeah. Just, it was absolutely just a fantastic experience for everybody that was involved. So I guess just, just learning um, and, and reading up about that stuff would be great. And then reposting the stuff that we put out on social media. But, um, yeah. No, because uh, I don't be good. Also, yeah, and 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 to add on in, to it, in addition to what what you said, um, uh, Emily on all of us as the GMs in, information about the the World Winter Games, and in particular, I think she she sent us information about Kazan. So we also, I guess, 
I don't know if it's if the information is internal or if we can, but I guess I, more of the Kazan related information we can probably really share along with what you said. Any information, um, and so as we do, um, we'll, the the question that that I had um, was related to the technology when it comes to the world games, and the USO Connect, um, as you know, is the technology of how the the with the live. Results, um, the the SO Connect and the live results software. Um, one of our staff in Illinois, Dan Connolly. I don't know if you know Dan. Yeah, I remember Dan, Dan. from the Unified Cup. Yeah, yeah, and and so and he was also in Abu Dhabi because he was um he was helping with the SO Connect team um, okay. um, over there, and I think he might be on the SO Connect team um, in Kazan too. Um, but um, yeah, he's 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 awesome, and 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 so. Uh, he, I actually had him on our, our season one of our special Olympics USA series to talk about the SO Connect. But from your perspective, when it comes to the the SO Connect and the which for our listeners who might not know uh, <laughs> or just tuning in now, SO Connect is the live result the live results software, um, and uh, and a, competition management management. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, tell us, I guess. Um, um, can you tell us a little bit about the the so Connect as it relates to the upcoming um, games in Kazan and, and even you can throw Berlin in there as well. But uh, sure, how's that? So our goal, and it goes back to the, the the continuity, is to do things the same way, time after time after time, and and you evaluate and you innovate and you make things better, but you need that consistency. And you need to be able to take data and information and, and, and sort of bring it forward with you. Um, and, and Connect is, is a key part of that. Tools like Connect help you do that. You can't have an organizing committee that develops their own system and then it's not compatible or you can't take it with you. So you have to, as an event owner, you sort of have to dictate the requirements. So we've got a great team on the IT side led by Priyanka who who joined in December and Kendra Appleheimer. Kendra is fantastic to work with. She's the lead person on Connect. So I think everybody understands that we need a tool that we can use and, and, and sort of consistently use from games to games to have that continuity. The other thing we're looking to do, and we're going to do it in Berlin, and we did it in, in Sweden for the floorball event. One of the things that surprised me a little bit about the Special Olympics when I joined was that traditionally we don't keep statistics. I mean, if you're in a time sport, sure, you get your time and you know, okay, but if you're in a team sport, if you're in basketball or volleyball or playing floorball or soccer, we don't necessarily keep statistics. In Chicago, we did for the Unified Cup, and it was fantastic. And the key thing about statistics is not only, you know, how players can sort of measure themselves and see if they're getting better and how coaches have this information and, and all of that stuff, but one of the key things in Chicago that John Paul explained to me was we were able to tell when it came to corner kicks, whether it was a unified partner taking the corner kick or an athlete taking the corner kick. And then as you get informed, you could start to make decisions. If we found that it was more the partners and less of the athletes taking corner kicks, then you look at making rule changes. So the statistics are really important. We did them for the first time in Chicago. We did them in Sweden for floorball. Thanks to our friends at the international floorball federation. They gave us the software and we kept statistics at that invitational event. And we're going to do it in Berlin at a couple of sports. So we're starting to get to a place, and it's going to be a while, but we're starting to get to it. And the media wants statistics. I mean, if you and I were to 
get off this podcast now and turn on ESPN, they're going to start telling you about Gonzaga and Baylor and, and who's shooting this and yeah. who's you know, leads in the assist. So the media wants that. That's yeah. how you tell stories. You tell who won and who lost. And it's not just about winning. It's about doing your best. And maybe you didn't win. That's and, all sport, right? That's what yeah. we learned. So the statistics are something that uh, as we go forward, we're trying to do more work with statistics. And thanks to our International Sport Federation partners, we're able to, to get some support. Awesome. And and uh, I, right before we get to our third and our fourth and final with final messages in, in just three final things to wrap up this episode with. But right before we we get to that, I want to, I thought of, of something that you, you said with, with um, the, how the stats are really important and how the media weighty, um, weighty, um, um, is, is, is looking to, is looking to us for that information with the stats. And as you know, and, and, and I know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners know ESPN is, our official Great broadcast, part, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, part, no, and I, I know that they do a, a, a lot of stories when it comes to the World Games. I don't know, how, and I think even they even uh, broadcast some of our competitions, like like, like yeah. the swimming, and you know, like just like at the, at the Olympics of, of how NBC has like. Uh, the the uh, um, uh, stats, graphics. yeah, yep. the, the graphics and and the stats, you know, on screen, and is is that is that and physically being at the World Games, I I'm not able to tone on ESPN as much as if I were home and not there. Then he, he so like you know physically being there, we're not able to just because our schedules are so demanding for the two weeks, but. When it comes to ESPN and uh, I guess as as you said, fine tune the uh, so connect um, um, software. Um, what what else can we do to I guess help ESPN with providing those stats? And I I loved what you said about how it helps to it helps to kind of change the rules. Like if if not that many if it's more unified athletes that are that that you know all all shooting or or kicking the ball and not that many athletes so i i love that part of it but then when when it comes to the media and espn um is looking to us to kind of put those stats up on the screen when they broadcast all world games what what can we do to improve um it was awesome in, in Abu Dhabi when they did I, I believe some of that but when we look to Kazan and even Berlin and into the future um, what what else can we do to improve that with the ESO Connect and the stats to give to ESPN and and, and other broadcasters as as well yeah the, the, so I think there's a couple things and, and before the stats part there's another part of it that's important so right now the delegation services team is working on athlete bios. They're working with the communications team and in, in, in compiling athlete bios. So I encourage every athlete that is, is going to be selected and go to Kazan to ensure the work with your program, to ensure that your bio information is in there. So if you're a big Harry Potter fan, put that in. If you, you know, go for runs with your dog, put that in. If your favorite athlete is Michael Phelps, put that in. Put, put that bio information because that helps tell the stories that the media has access to that. We're trying to get to a place where they can look stuff up and they can say, Oh, Dan, Dan goes for runs on the beach with his dog, or, you know, Dan does this or that. So, so that bio make yourself, you know, you're an athlete and you're out there to do your best, but 
but let everybody know the other things that are important to you. And then, you know, I think on the statistics side, if, if you're in a situation where there's a support partner, you know, if you're in a country that has a partnership, you know, talk to the program about maybe working with the support partner to implement some sort of statistics, you know, program, if you have that capacity. We know it's, it's, it's going to be a long way before we, we get there to where every program can do it. We're starting to do it at World Games. We want athletes to start talking about their preparation and all the good work that you put in and how you train and how, you know, I used to be able to do two and now I've been on this 12-week program and now I can do four. That's a story. Or how I didn't, you know, there's a, there was a, uh, one of the athlete leaders, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but she talked about how she didn't win a race and how she was upset and how another athlete came over and consoled her and said, hey, you're an athlete leader and I've always looked up to you. And so it's about dealing with winning and it's about dealing with losing and it's about everything that makes sport great. And if you can, and I tell my kids, I got a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old, and I tell them in school, in sport, in life, do your best. And if you do your best, that's all anybody can ask. So, and you know if you're doing your best or not, right? You can be honest with yourself if you're doing your best. So, so tell those stories, you know, tell those stories about, you know, hey, I used to be able to do this and now I can do this and it's because of sport or, you know, maybe it's like you said, Dan, at the beginning, you've overcome shyness due to sport and now you're willing to just walk up and, and have conversations that you might not have had before. So those are yeah. all the great benefits along with help and the social part of it that sport brings. So, um, yeah, I guess a long way around. Um, and that was a long answer. Awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. And, and, and I, 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 I guess what else can we, we, we do when it comes to the stats with given like, you know, like just like how NBC, when, yeah. when they put the, the stats up on the screen, I, I know, I, I believe ESPN did, I think not all the sports, but I, I believe swimming and track and field, I, I don't know if if they did any others, but I, I believe it would be awesome if if we had that. Just like NBC has all the different feeds for all the different sport venues, if ESPN did that for all world yeah, games. Without- like I said, we're you know we're at the beginning of this yeah. journey related to statistics. I would say as athletes, as athlete leaders, ask for it. Say you know what? I, let's figure out how we can do this at our local competition. How we can do this at a state games? Maybe it's not possible. Maybe it's possible in one sport. And next year, it'll be possible in two sports. Yeah. You can find somebody that can help support that. Okay. There's athletes out there that, that love statistics, you know, that love the data. Um, and, and that's what it is, basically. It's just data. And data and analytics are so big now. Maybe you can find a partner. Maybe there are, you know, athletes who are studying that this would be of interest to them. But I, I guess, you know, asking for it and saying, hey, you know, we'd like to keep statistics on this game or this season. If we're playing floorball, let's keep stats this season and see how we do. Awesome. So, just you know, creating the demand for it, and we're going to try and help all we can. Awesome. So, and I know, I know we've been on for an hour and thirty eight minutes, and 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 you, I believe, one hour ahead of me, and and so we're going to come to a close now. And the fourth and final act with final messages and three final, final, um, final, final points as we wrap up our conversation um, uh, on 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 managing a a special Olympics World Games. Our guest is Lou, chief of sport and competition, special Olympics. A question ever since the Our W Daily Show, which I don't know if you saw on specialolympics.org, that video um, podcast series that Ian and I co-hosted in Abu Dhabi. But, no, I didn't have a chance to. If you could send me links, yeah, I'd like yeah, to see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. on, and it's on specialolympics.org, and you can search for Abu Dhabi Daily Show. Okay. Um, it's all, all the videos are all on SOI's website. But yeah, I can send, um, send you a link, and I'll, I'll try to remember to maybe put a link in the show notes, maybe if I, if I 
remember. Okay. But um, what to, I'll I'll definitely try to send you a a, a link. But what does so a question ever since that um, two years ago, I've been asking all of my guests. As you know, inclusion and inclusion revolution is so big to this movement and is probably a big part of the, like, in addition to the individual legacies that the whole cities have for the World Games, it's, it's probably a, one of the, one of the ma- major factors of the different legacies. But what does inclusion mean to you personally? What, what does inclusion mean to you? You know, to, to me, it's just about... And I come at this from a sort of a, 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 I think it's, it's just about everybody, right? It's just about not sort of looking at where people are from or, or what neighborhood they live in or what language they speak or, or how they, you know, what they do on the weekends or whatever. It's, it's just about people being together and figuring out and, you know, figuring out the common things. And that's why sport's so great. Sport can help with that. You know, you sort of identify and, Everybody can identify with, we don't win all the time, we lose. And it's how we lose and how we come back from that or how we work with a teammate or how we better understand somebody because we played a sport. So for me, it's it's always just been about including everybody. And I grew up in New York City and it was about pickup games. And uh, I got Dan, okay, I'm going to take Lou, I'm going to take Hannah, I'm going to take this one. It's just about just people in our neighborhood were just together. We were all different and it just didn't matter. We just wanted to play. We just wanted to, we hoped we had enough guys to play the game. Or enough girls to play a game, so I think it's you know not I and I think this younger generation is is wired differently, and I think in a good way in a lot of instances that that people are going to look past a lot of stuff and just just get to the people part really, yeah, you know, awesome. not what kind of car somebody drives yeah. or where they live or what language they speak. Yeah, and and really using sport as that false mm-hmm. kind of um, catalyst to 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 really kind of. Okay, Kick off for though in, 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 like I guess using sport as as a foundation to really kick off into other parts of society. So once people either compete or or come to a world games or even a local local or regional competition, and then they will then go go out into the communities and workplaces and schools and and and, and it's just it's, it's just such a great conversation starter. You know, what team do you remember? I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a White Sox fan. Or I like Liverpool. I like uh, Chelsea. Yeah. It's just a great conversation starter. And it's sort of, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a common language in a lot of ways. And, yeah. and there's always an opportunity to learn about different sports and, uh, and things. So, yeah, I, I think it's really good for that. Awesome. So any, any plugs on social media and website for you and Special Olympics? I'll, I'll try to put a, a few panels up on the screen as, as you talk, but any, 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 uh, any social media plugs and how people can find out uh, more about um, World Games and Special Olympics? Yeah, I mean, um, Kazan 2022 has got a great website. Um, I would sort of, I'm a big LinkedIn guy. I, I'd hope to see all of our athletes and everybody in the movement on LinkedIn. It's a, it's a platform I prefer. Um, Berlin's got a great website. They're doing good stuff. Um, ESPN, you go to their section on Special Olympics. Some of the best stories you're going to find are on that ESPN website. Um, so, and, and like I said, we've got a new social media team now in place, and they're going to do great things. So we're looking forward to everybody getting together on social and amplifying what that, what SOI is doing or what your state program or your national program. 
you know, you might have 300 followers. I've got 12 followers. Dan's got 40,000 followers. And we just put them all together and just keep sort of working as a team and, and we'll, you know, uh, we'll get it out there. Awesome. So I'll, I'll try to put a, a few of those links in the show notes on specialalumnus.org. And actually, if people go to the show notes for this episode, 420, I believe that's what I said, 420, I think. Yeah, 420. Um, if they click on your name in the show notes, um, it will go to your, your bio on SOI, which which can then point them to your LinkedIn um, to, to make that easy for people. And then we also, I believe, put links in the show notes to AsoKazan2022.com and uh, hashtag AsoKazan2022. And I will um, maybe um, when we have you on before the Berlin World Games, then we'll put links to um, that. Dan, I got, I got to give one more plug. And yeah. I've been talking about a lot of people that have helped with the games, be it Kazan or our team. The Special Olympics Europe Eurasia team is an all-star team. David Evangelista, yeah. the support guys, the help people, everybody on that team. They've got an absolute all-star team in SOE, and they've been super important, you know, on a short time frame. Uh, the work that Fiona Hines is doing and all on the comm side and super great job helping us in Kazan with what's been a difficult situation, not being able to travel there. So definite shout out to SOE and the A team over there. Yeah. Thank you everything you do and, and thanks for all the great work we're all doing together yeah yeah it's awesome to have great great partners in kazan and to have a, a great with the europe eurasia team and to, to, to all of us to as we come out of this global pandemic and covid and and, and get back to our competition to really work together and and um, bring back our, our world games. Um, so want to briefly mention to our listeners before we get to your final thoughts, our special Olympics world games podcast series, um, which is probably, I, I believe what, and I think Tim has even said this, it's one of the leading, um, one of the leading podcasts when it comes to our world games and, and special uh, Olympics. You can go to specialquantigos.com slash special Olympics USA um, specialchronicles.com slash special Olympics USA to find links to that. And if you go to, um, I didn't put the, I didn't put this banner up, but if you go to specialchronicles.com slash SO Kazan2022, you can subscribe to my SSI GM journal, which is an exclusive email newsletter where I will send updates out. I'll try to, my brother in law asked me in Abu Dhabi why I didn't send out that many updates. Um, and that's because uh, our schedule is so demanding that I, uh, Chris was basically my PL. For, uh, Chris was tweeting on on my behalf, so <laughs> it helps to have you know people that can do that social media for you when, when you're so busy. But uh, it's it's been a joy having you on, Lou, and looking looking forward to seeing you again when we're in Kazan, Russia. Um, any final thoughts on your overall time here today on the Special Chronicle Show that you like to share? With all no, I just want to just want to thank you for all the great work you do, um, all the all the global messengers and and the athlete leaders, and just um, yeah, thanks for all the good work that you do. We'll we'll all get through this, and uh, we'll see each other again, and um, things will things will be good. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it, I was giving Chris I was giving Chris a hard time. Chris is a great guy, and it's I got to say one of the legacies for me from the Unified Cup is getting to spend time with Chris Winston. So that was good, and uh, thanks Emily for for connecting us and. 
happy to be on your podcast anytime, Dan. Anything awesome. you need. Awesome. Right? Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it, it's been a, a um, joy having you on and looking forward to uh, seeing you in Kazan, Russia, uh, 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 in just less than 300 days from now. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so awesome. So, thanks. Uh, I guess it's been Lou, Chief of Sport and, and Competition uh, at Special uh, uh, Olympics. This has been episode 420. Um, go to specialchronicles.com to uh, follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, all the links you can find on specialchronicles.com. We'll see you next week where we will have a uh, athlete from Northern California who's a poet. And then after that, we have two and a half months of weekly shows related to our comrade partnership. We have a two and a half kind of series that we will be um, bringing you so the, uh, we have lots of content coming you guys so stay subscribed tell your friends uh, and we'll see you um, next week on uh, the Special Chronicle show thanks again until next week until next week we remember choose to include Special Chronicles giving respect and a voice to people with special needs